Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, we've made the turn into March. Yep, and so it's uh, we're kind of coming to uh, the end of the season, but there's still plenty to talk about. This is Head for the Hills. It's an FYI podcast for Story Studio Network. I'm Dave Trafford. He is Glenn Crowder. And uh, well, you've had a, a a busy week. Never mind uh, all the, the you know the fun, the, the skiing. You've you've, <laughs> you've had some challenges with the luggage. I understand. Yeah, Dave, it's been a little challenge, uh, but it's been fantastic. A little bit of a delay heading out of Toronto after that storm on Friday. I uh, got to Kamloops, uh, which is fantastic, wonderful airport, and all of a sudden, my through Air Canada, they, uh, my luggage disappeared to Calgary, so all sorts of weird things. But nevertheless, we're here. Sun Peaks was absolutely fantastic. I just love the place. It's like family there. Um, a couple of things we just want to close the uh, loop on. Last week, we were talking to, to Brian Stemmel, and uh, they were having great fun at uh, Blue Mountain. And the weather, I think, actually was pretty good for it, the 24 hours. And all I could think of just before I was going to bed was Brian was still three hours away from doing his run at 1 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, he was great talking last week. Uh, and so was uh, Tara Lavo from Blue Mountain. And they raised $165,000 for just 24 hours of blues. So that was from noon on Saturday to noon on Sunday. Again, 24 hours. They have teams. They ski through the night. Uh, some weird times. And Brian was the guy who loved to ski at 1 o'clock in the morning. Said it's so peaceful, tranquil and everything. So he followed through. But $165,000. Congratulations to Michael and I, Subaru Canada, and everyone involved. That's a lot of money. If I'm not mistaken, that's probably a record. Considering we are just coming out of two years of COVID, that's just a fantastic number. Well, and I think, you know, we've said this a lot on our programming. You don't have to do much to really make an effect in people's lives. And so a lot of people showed up and they did the least they could do. And look at the result you get is awesome. I mean, I'm sure that everybody probably dug in their pockets a little bit more deeply, though, as well, because, you know, this this kind of was a benchmark turn into something that resembles more routine, more something more normal. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been over ten years since Michael's been running that, so it's a, it's a great mark. And and the thing is, what I was talking to him about things that because corporations have not had the opportunity to donate the last couple of years, especially individuals. So everybody, as you're right, everybody ended up a little bit more than usual, and that's why they raised one hundred sixty five thousand dollars in just twenty four hours. So that's a great number. Again, I was really impressed. Well, you're listening to Head for the Hills. It's an FYI podcast uh, for Story Studio Network. And this doesn't happen without the support of eWool. What an awesome, we're going to talk a little bit more about it uh, coming up on the show. But uh, if you want more information, just check out eWool.com. Turn the heat on and keep the fun going. All right. You had the opportunity last week to uh, ski with uh, the legendary Nancy Green Rain. And, uh, you know, I I thought, well, lucky you. I I had... uh, um, the opportunity to interview her years ago. She and her family were here in town and they were uh, promoting something at the uh, ski show uh, in the before times when we had big shows like that. Um, but really? uh, anyway, <clears throat> the best part of talking to you this week is that, that she uh, agreed to join us on the, uh, on the podcast this week. Nancy Green, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm just great. Thank you very much for having me. 
Well, you got up really early. I mean, we're recording this in the nine o'clock hour here in Toronto, so uh, we appreciate you getting up before dawn to to join us. Well, it's a nice time of the day. It is. Having done morning radio for so many years, that was kind of that quiet place. But, you know, I still like that sleep in, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) For those of you just following along, Nancy won a gold medal in the Grand Slalom in 1968 and also won a silver, I guess, in Slalom that year. How did that change your life? Well, you know, it was the, um, I had been, I'd had it as my goal for um, nine years. And it's always nice when you reach a goal, and then, of course, you have to decide what you do next. And and I decided to retire at the ripe old age of 24, and yeah, it changed my <laughs> life a lot. <laughs> I, I always say that having won a gold and a silver, I I know one thing, and that's uh, that a gold is a million times better than a silver. Silver is nice, <laughs> but gold is what you're aiming for. So, and you know what, when you say that, it's funny, when I was a kid and watching those those Olympics, and I remember after that, seeing you more perhaps afterwards, because you, you were the, you were the Mars bar uh, um, spokesperson, you, you were, you, you know, that they were sponsoring you. And I can remember thinking, oh, all of a sudden, that introduced you to a, a, another or a broader audience, I would think. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you're out there ski racing, you've got a uh, hat and goggles on and you know it's not you're not live on television up close the way they are today but um when when you're on a commercial people can see your face and and they see you as you know life size if you like it makes a big difference but you know those were early days of commercials they hadn't had a lot of commercials with with athletes so um it was pretty interesting and yeah no i had i had a great time it was a whirlwind especially that first few years and then I got married and settled down and, and went back to skiing. And, 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 of course, of all that, of course, we should point out uh, the Lou Marsh Trophy Award winner. And, you know, I, I don't know where you, where you start or you end this story, Glenn, because uh, anybody who has uh, recollections of Nancy Green on the slopes, I think, uh, comes back to that whole idea of uh, there was a positive feel and a vibe in the country at the time. We were coming into, it was around our centennial. There was so much going on to be able to wave the flag in 68 like that. A little bit different vibe than we saw in Beijing. Absolutely, 100%. And Nancy, um, you know what, really impressed me, not only skiing, but also there's not many people this in this day and age that have that can win medals in both disciplines. As you mentioned, won a gold and then a silver as well, all the same Olympics. Because I don't really remember, um, maybe Jean-Claude Keeley or someone like that, you'd certainly remember better than I, but to be able to be a specialist in both, and not to mention downhill as well. And if you take a look, when Nancy uh, first broke into the circuit, she literally, in the World Cup circuit, she upset all the Europeans because it was so European-dominated. Then all of a sudden, Nancy, you rolled in, and the world changed for, for you and skiing for Canada. Yeah, it was it was heady times, and and when I look back now, I, I um, you know, I realized it, it took a long time to be a sudden success. I mean, you know, I was there for nine years. I had come fifth in the world championships as early as 1962, but um, you know, we didn't have the programs and the training, and the support that the teams do today, and it just it just takes a long time. You have to really want to stick with it and keep on going. But back in those days, everybody did all the events, pretty much everyone. Some, there were some people who didn't do downhill, but um, it wasn't specialized the way it is today. 
And of course, today yeah, we were- you've got all the other great snow sports too, like freestyle skiing and slopestyle and, and ski cross. And I mean, there's, there's so many more opportunities if you want to compete at a high level to get involved. You know, we were talking to Brian Stemmel last uh, week uh, on on the show, and uh, he has the same sort of, uh, you know, nine fifteen year overnight success story as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind of flash on the scene. You know, one of the I think the the, the first time you and I chatted was oh, it's got to be back in the nineties, and this was when snowboarding was becoming the thing to do and be, you know clearly now it's it's part of the the disciplines at uh, at the Olympic Games um, but I recall you asked me if I skied and I said I don't have the knee for it because I have no ACL in my left knee and you said well why don't you guess just get it fixed and I said well <laughs> no because I, I I can still skate and I do my running and I'm fine but I don't want the I don't want the rehab you know for a m- 12 months or whatever it was at the time and you looked at me and said just go and get it done <laughs> I, I, you know, I had, I had one knee surgery and I didn't have it until I was 50. So I was very fortunate when I was racing, I wasn't injured a lot. And, you know, it's, it is a part of our sport that's a bit of a negative. And so the conditioning and the fitness is really, really important. And, and, um, fortunately now the surgeries are, are much better, but in, you know, my day, if you had knee surgery, it, it could be career ending. For sure. Yeah. Well, the Bobby Orr story is a great example of, of how exactly. that just, you know, yeah. and for all of the attention <clears throat> that he got. Uh, when you when you talk about that, and, and Glenn tells me that you uh, you um, had him sort of huffing and puffing on the slopes last week, and he was just <laughs> trying to keep up with you. Um, do you ski to stay in shape, or do you have a fitness regime still that, you know, keeps you on your game? Yeah, I try to I try to stay really active. I try to do sports and things, activities that I like to do and that I enjoy doing and socially. So sports, lifelong sports. Um, my husband and I play tennis. Um, I play golf. He plays golf a bit too. But we, you know, we walk and carry our clubs, and and I do a lot of hiking. And and uh, yeah, no, we've always stayed active. We've liked being outdoors, doing things. I'm not a person that really is drawn to the gym. But we have a very good uh, uh, fitness center just like, you know, a couple hundred yards from our, from where I live. So there's no excuse. And, you know, really you do have to pay attention to your fitness. And if you can do it all your life long, it makes it so much easier. But there's never a bad time to get started. Probably the best thing to do is just go outside and walk. That's that's a key for a lot of people. And Nancy, I we skied probably about six years ago. And I have to tell you, you haven't changed one bit. Um, you're still your bubbly personality, your optimist, your your light your outlook on life is so refreshing. It's amazing. Uh, I've talked to a, a, quite a few people at Sun Peaks this past weekend. Um, and they say, Is that is that Nancy Green in the red jacket over there? I go, Yes. I said, I go, my I got do you think I can't a picture? I said, the lady is the nicest you ever want to meet. And uh, not only are you a ski director there, I'd say you're an ambassador. And Al as well, your husband, who's the mayor of uh, Sun Peaks, that uh, was just a treat. Now, you did ski my butt off. I'll let you know. And I felt like I, I, I said, I said, I felt like a sun, I felt like a Sun Peak sandwich because I skied with you black diamonds in the morning and I hadn't skied those in quite some time. And then we did a little trade off with your husband, Al, who I loved as well. Uh, he came for lunch and then he took me out and beat me up in the afternoon over Morrissey. So between the two of you, I felt like a Sun Peak sandwich, and I was exhausted by the day it was over. I kid you not. It was such a treat, a treat to ski with both of you, Nancy. 
Well, you know, we are, we're so lucky because we live right on the slopes and we can get out pretty much every day and not everybody can do that. So I, I, I don't expect people to have the same sort of leg stamina that we do because we ski every day. It's, it's just what we do. And it is fun. It's a, it's a great, a great activity. You were pretty good, Glenn, I must say. Uh, for, for, uh, <laughs> I, I learned a long for time novels. ago. Uh, <clears throat> I learned not to be, when I, when I think of the skiing around Collingwood, I was told and, and, and I appreciate that you shouldn't be a vertical drop snob because the skiing in Ontario as a place to get started is absolutely fantastic. And you can learn to ski there and you can take it with you wherever you go. So you're, you're doing just fine. Well, it's funny because when I first started, I was doing the Ontario runs where you do a lot of turns. And then you looked at me a long time ago and you said, what are you doing? You'll never make it down four mile runs, five mile runs, because you're going to exhaust yourself the first bit. And I was holding you back. And then you showed me, and just for people who wanted to go to the mountains, who ski basically on Ontario, here's a little tip that Nancy gave me, is that you kind of traverse the hill, you put the, the weight on one ski, and then you let the leg rest, and then you turn very nicely and carve around the other side. Uh, Nancy, that's a, that was a brilliant way of telling me how to say, stop skiing Ontario. You're now in the mountains. So uh, ski like this. And, and I tell you what, I see people that go out there. And obviously, a lot of people who ski mountains have that same technique. But from Ontario, we don't get long runs. So we want to get our money's worth. That's why we turn so many times. No, no. And, and there's no doubt that uh, Ontario skiers are very good at turning. And, and, and I mean, some of the – I watched the racers coming up. And I tell you – the programs for ski racing in Ontario are producing some really, really good athletes. The national team has never been so strong in slalom, and I think half of them are from Ontario. Have you got your eye on somebody in, in there in terms of who we should be paying attention to, Dan? <clears throat> oh, there's a whole gang of them. They're, they're actually, uh, there's a girl from um, Collingwood, Ronnie Remy. She's doing really well. And Allie Nolmeyer from Toronto, she's doing super well. And um, of course, Aaron Melzinski has been there for a while and she's a great uh, leader of the team. And then there's girls uh, from across the country, BC and Alberta as well, and Quebec. So they've got a very, very nice team. And, you know, there's six, seven women who've placed in the top 10 this year in World Cup racing. Nancy, is really nice talking to uh, your husband, Al Rains, who was former head coach of the entire Canadian national uh, ski teams. And we, you obviously follow it very closely, both of you. Um, but what I was talking to Al about the future of skiing and how we can get, because when you go to Europe, these guys are rock stars. When I went to Vengen and saw the world cup, uh, when I went to Banff and saw the, uh, the world cup as well, um, I, and you went on that circuit, uh, he had a great, interesting comment about how we can possibly attract uh, the younger generation, because again, in Europe, they want to grow up to be these guys and ski, but not so much in Ontario. So Al had some great things to comment about how we can maybe develop our young athletes to develop, to get into be skiing, to be skiers and things like that. So I'm sure he shared that with you before as well. So there's lots of good ideas, but um, skiing is an expensive sport. Only the, uh, you know, people that have the spare change can really even get in it. It's not subsidized by the government, um, you know, the government builds gymnasiums and swimming pools and tracks and soccer fields and hockey rinks, but it's private investment that builds the ski hills. And so they need to earn revenue, of course. So it's expensive to ski. Um, I guess the best thing to do, though, is for those that do have a chance to ski, to work with them and have a, a way that the better you get, the less it should cost. 
right now, as soon as you start to do well in ski racing, you have to travel and the distances are far and the expenses just add up and up. And I think there are parents out there that subtly encourage their kid not to get into competition because they're afraid they won't be able to afford to pay for them to go to the next level. So we need fundraising and, and we need good support from corporate sponsors, which fortunately um, the ski organizations are, are doing a pretty good job. But um, yeah, anyway, it's always a challenge. It was a challenge even back in my day. My I grew up in a little town of Rothland. And when I was invited to go to Europe and train when I was 17 years old, everybody in my club went out. They knocked on all the doors in town and asked for donations wow. and raised the money to send me to Europe. And that's how I got started. I'll never forget that. Nancy, before we let you go, I, I, we'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't get your perspective on what's going on in Ukraine as it pertains to the international sport uh, institutions and agencies and associations and so on, and how they're managing what's going on with Russia vis-a-vis the, you know, the international sport. We see pressures on uh, the young hockey players who have been banned by the CHL from Russia for the draft this year. Um, you know, we've obviously seen the World Cup uh, be affected. Uh, so, I, and I wonder wh- where you are as not only an athlete, I mean, you spent time in the Senate, so this would have come across your desk had you still been sitting in the Senate when we started to talk about, you know, taking sanctions and actions against Russia. Well, it's absolutely horrible what's happening. It's, a, it's, it's hard to fathom that one man leading a country that is so powerful can inflict so much pain. And it's, it's uh, you know, the Russian people are like everybody, I'm sure. But right now, the leader is, is uh, it's, it's horrible what's happening. And I think everybody has to, uh, you know, punish Russia um, in all the ways they can. And that includes sports. And I'm happy that to see that Almost all amateur sports, so-called amateur sports, have, have withdrawn from the Russian playing field and are taking sanctions against Russians. And, yeah, we're all going to – we we just have to pray that um, it doesn't become a nuclear holocaust. It's uh, terrible. It so is true, Nancy. Just before we let you go, Nancy, I have to re- – I have to just mention the fact, again, I was at Sun Peak six years ago when I pulled up – in the car last Friday, I was totally blown away of the development you've got going. I know that Al's the mayor there, uh, your husband, and you've done strategically planning. You're not just throwing a bunch of homes up and things like that. I was so impressed as well. Um, tell me, and, and, and moreover, uh, your comment when we were on the chair really resonated. We're not building a resort. We're building a community. I put that quote in the paper in the Toronto Sun in my article uh, yesterday uh, and I had a lot of reaction to it. And, and they said, well, what do you mean you're building a community? Can you just tell a little bit, little bit about Sun Peaks and the community that you've developed along with Al and continue to? Sure. Well, the, the Sun Peaks Resort Lift Company, uh, the development company that is in the area, they have the right to develop skiing according to the approved master plan. And that includes um, the right to develop the real estate at the base of the mountains. But early on, they realized that if this place is going to work, and especially to work year-round, you need to have it um, more than just the uh, you know tourists and vacation visitors coming. 
you need people living here, working here, and settling down here. So we've, uh, you know, the community has been building for a long time. A municipality was formed, I think, over about 10 years ago. And um, so we have a great uh, group of people that get together and fundraise. And ahead of the curve, we build things like a medical center. And we're now looking forward uh, desperately to building of a of a school. Right now, we have 160 children that are going to school in a um, portable classroom. But we, we need a proper facility. But because we are growing so fast, and because capital costs are, are limited from the provincial government, we're always behind. So we just get together and make it happen. And it's fun to see people pulling together and it's become a great place to live. We have a lot of people who actually commute back and forth. They spend win- winters at Sun Peaks uh, skiing and then between seasons they travel and they have a place in Ontario up in the beautiful lake country. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting to the people here and it, it is a community. Everybody cares for each other. When somebody has something happen, the, the whole community pulls together. When COVID hit, for instance, within a week, we had started that we called the community kitchen to, because all the lift employees, most of them on low wages were laid off and had no income. And we just, we just uh, formed an organization to help feed people that needed help. And yeah, those are the things we do. I felt so welcome, not just from, uh, okay, the lefties, yourself, Al, everyone involved. And of course, I have to thank uh, Jenny as well uh, for uh, hosting me there. But uh, I have to tell you that one quick story. When I was getting ready on, on Sunday, I was getting, uh, I went uh, ice fishing, uh, also snowmobiling up there. So there's so many other things to do than just skiing. But there was a class from your school that had the Sun Peaks uh, education, they had the school on. Here it is. One of their classes was snowshoeing. And I thought, wow, what a cool way of getting the kids involved. It's a class. It's one of their I, I curriculum, I guess. And it was just so impressive. These kids had to be no more than maybe five, six, seven, eight. They all got their individual little snowshoes. They've got their suits on. They got everything. They're all lined up. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And considering the fact that they're at school, what a wonderful day at school that must have been. Yeah, no, it's pretty magic. You know, when we do build a school, it won't be the same as it is now because Right now, they have to ride a little ski lift, a beginner ski lift, to get to their school cluster. And, uh, you know, they they do spend a lot of time outside because they, the portable classrooms, you know, there's no gym. There's no, there's nothing other than little classrooms. So the teachers are, are very engaged. And in British Columbia, and I'm sure it's the same in Ontario, uh, educators are finding that outdoor education, using the outdoors as one of your classrooms, is very valuable for children. And especially in this day where there's so many, um, you know, it's been really tough with the, with COVID because there's just so much screen time. To get outside is very, very important. And I'm, I'm pleased to see that that's happening. And I'm, I'm quite sure that the school that will be built here in the end will have outdoor education as part of its components. Well, I can only imagine that here in this part of the world, we complain about snow days. Out there, every day would be a snow day for the kids, and that <laughs> sort of changes the perspective. I, th- I think the uh, I think the high school students have a a ten centimeter rule where they go to school a little later in the day on the powder days and they stay a little <laughs> longer. And, and I think the teachers are are all for it as well. But they do get their hours in, and they are getting a, a good education, so we're proud of that. 
the Honorable Nancy Green Rain. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for coming, and uh, we really do ha- enjoy having visitors that you know really make that effort. It is a little harder to get to some peaks, but it's worth it when you're here. Great, Nancy. Thank you very much. And Nancy, you know your, your village, everything there is just such a wonderful spot to visit. I highly recommend it for families, for sure. I even said to Jenny uh, that it's a romantic place for people to go uh, for just a couple because it's a foodie little village. You've got so many options to eat and so many options to really enjoy yourself and be part of that entire scene at Sun Peak. So congratulations to you and say hello to Al for me. And hopefully we'll see you guys soon as well. Great. Well, thanks again for coming. Have a good day. Bye. You know, you and I, Glenn, I think sometimes we in this industry take for granted how cool it is to be able to do what we do because we get to talk to people like Nancy Green. You know, uh, you name it. There's a long list of people I know that you've talked to just because of the industry you're in. Your time at Woodbine would have had all, you know, um, but you talk to somebody like Nancy Green and you really kind of feel like, Oh my, that there's a, there's a person in there. She really yeah. is engaging. And she's the exact same person skiing, sitting on a chair for 23 minutes, going up the hill. We nonstop were a couple, like a couple little, uh, chickens back and forth. We just kept on chatting and her husband, Al was the same, uh, such a treat. What you hear and what you've seen is exactly what Nancy's like in person. Uh, and if people want to ski with her at one o'clock, they can go ski with Nancy green cost nothing. They usually have 20, 30 people that are lined up to go ski with her. So she'll take you out for the afternoon uh, at Sun Peak. And that's the great thing. And just about the fact that Sun Peak is such a cool little place. Again, um, I say it's a foodie little town. It's a small little quaint European style village situated right in the middle of three hills. Uh, you saw every hill skis into the village and uh, stuff like that. So what she has done, I was there probably seven years ago, as I mentioned, they, we opened at that time. I was happy to be part of it. They opened up the medical center. Now they've got a school. Uh, and they continue to build and really make that a, a destination, not just a place to say, hey, I've come to visit, but a destination resort for families and couples. And I think it's a fantastic place. Well, um, before we go, I want to get your take on, I know you uh, you use the uh, the e-wolf vest. And one of the yes. things that I wanted to understand, for those of you just joining us, this this kind of, it's a built-in heater, if you will, and it's got um, a battery pack. Can you easily change the batteries uh, on that while, during the day, or can you double up the batteries? How do you make well, sure? You, you only have one battery. It's a large uh, battery pack in the back. Uh, it'll yeah. last you a good seven hours, so you don't need to change it. It's not as if you're okay. going to be, you know, if you ha- if you turn it up full tilt, uh, it'll go down probably in about four or five hours. But uh, kid you not, if it's that cold, you won't be out there skiing any more than three or four hours. That's the cool part about this. And as I said to Alain, uh, the president and the founder, last a couple of weeks ago, I said, I just wear the vest anyway. Sometimes I don't need the heat on, uh, but the vest itself is so comforted and so warm, and it's made from such uh, an incredible material that you don't really need to have the heat all the time, even on cold days. And believe me, Dave, I've skied everything from minus 40, minus 45 down to just nice temperatures. Also, don't forget yeah. they've got the, the glove liners, which is a huge, huge part of um, of uh, keeping warm as well, because your hands are always touching the metal, whether it be your ski poles, whether it be on the chairs. So the liners go inside your gloves so you can change gloves. You don't have to have that same glove. Like most companies just have uh, a heater glove. So you're wearing that same one all the time. This one gives you the option. So you just slip in. It's really thin, so it goes inside any glove. It's a great, the company is fantastic. And as they mentioned, there's going to be possibly uh, a sock coming out as well, a very thin sock, which I'm really looking forward to as well. 
Mm-hmm. Ewill.com if you want uh, more information on that. Okay, before we go, what are you up to uh, this weekend and where are you headed to next weekend? I'm at Whistler right now. I just checked in last night. and We've got four days of sunshine coming up. Got a little bit of new snow. Uh, excuse me. And it's, of course, the largest ski resort uh, area in all the country and uh, certainly rivals many in the States as well. So I'm here for four days. We'll actually have someone on next Thursday and Friday. We'll have them on next week to talk about um, what's going on at Whistler. Some real interesting things. They're, they're, they're absolutely, I was sitting with Tanya Sears last night. She's a uh, development uh, for media um, and travel representative. And she was telling me that the, the different cultures that are now skiing, that you can come here and they're one of the hot markets is Mexico. So they have Spanish speaking instructors. They've got Chinese, they've got Japanese. So that's unusual. I've never really heard that before. So they're, they're adapting right off the bat to the different, uh, the different, uh, I could say cultures coming in, ethnicities, and they're really noticed. So they've got 200 instructors that maybe, and many of them are uh, bilingual uh, and have other speaking languages. So it really is something that I, I was really happy to hear that because we welcome all people, everyone, race, creed, color, doesn't matter. Come and enjoy the best winter sport you're ever going to have. Uh, stay safe, have fun, enjoy that, son. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, Glenn. Thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, Dave. That was great. Thank you. All right. This is Head for the Hills at FYI Podcast for Story Studio Network. I'm Dave Trafford, and we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the slopes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.